Ah, uh, where to begin, she sighed. If I had a cigarette, right now would be the time to light it. I patted my pockets as if I were looking for my own pack, then threw up my hands. I never smoked a cigarette in my life, but I wasn't going to tell her that. Do you smoke, I asked. Not really, but sometimes I wish I did, you know? She asked a smile on her face. I nodded, affecting what I hoped was a worldly look. To see my grandfather shuffling around with a hacking cough before he died. I never found it an appealing habit, but if Maxine said she felt like smoking once in a while, I was cool with that. Besides, only 9 out of 10 men fighting the Nazis in Imperial Japan during World War II were smoking while kicking ass, so I'm not judging the habit. Americans are still free to cho choose last I checked, right? And immediately after I wrote that question mark in my journal, I had the sick realization that I was no longer sure we were free. Whatever had happened wasn't good. Okay, so my dad works for the government. My mom, too. At least, she used to. She died two years ago. Breast cancer. It's ugly stuff. 38 years old. My dad never got over it. I watched Maxine's face fall and her skin flush before she turned around and sat back in her seat, staring out the window. I didn't know much about girls, but I had seen my mother get that way a few times. When in doubt, silence is better than prattling on with dumb questions like, Hey, are you alright? After I let her sniffle a bit and have some t time to herself, I touched her shoulder and said, I'm really sorry about your mother, Maxine. She nodded and sniffed some more. Are you sure neither of you has a cigarette? She asked in a stuffy nose voice. Unbelievably, Xavier slowed down, took his left hand off the wheel and reached into one of his cargo pockets, pulled out a pack of camels like a magic trick. No way, Maxine squealed in delight. When did you start smoking, brother? I asked, laughing through my surprise. I had never seen him light up once since we'd been to get together and he never smelled like cigarettes. I picked the pack up along the way. Once in a while, I've tried it, but I just don't get it. Hurts my lungs and eyes, but go ahead and smoke them, Max, David said. Thanks. I need a light, though. I produced a butane lighter from my own cargo pocket. It's a part of my survival gear. Awesome, she said. A cigarette in the center of her lips as she flicked the lighter and brought the heat up to the end. I watched her breathe in, hold it in her lungs a brief moment, and exhale. I'd seen enough smokers to know she had smoked more than a few times. No coffee, no awkwardness with the cigarette itself. He even brought the window closed to one inch to vent the smoke. So Zebra closed his window all the way to allow the vent to work best. Suddenly, I felt like I was in Greece watching Sandy light up. Only Max was a brunette and knew what she was doing. Point was, I felt pretty awesome watching her in front of me. I was, I was overwhelmed with emotions when I realized she still hadn't told us anything about her father. Was she that good to make me feel pity for her right before I started thinking of how amazing she looked? Could she be that manipulative? Really? Later, I learned I had no idea who I was dealing with and how little I knew about girls on the world around me. But I do give myself credit for at least realizing that she might have been playing me like a cheap guitar. As they say, knowing you have a problem is the first step toward recovery. I decided to sit, wait to see if she'd ever go back to the original question about what she knew about the class of our world. That way, I'd have an idea how much she was playing me and Xavier. No one could, could, could convince me that a girl like Maxine was forgetful or so emotional that she lost her train of thought. Whatever she was, she was no dummy. As I often do when deciding what something or someone is not, I searched for a way to describe Maxine, some category or symbol. It came to me easy. She was a storm, beautiful and terrible, thrilling everyone as the barometer drops, charging the atmosphere in anticipation of the coming fireworks. A storm is no train wreck. It's elemental, sometimes catastrophic, but always, for better or worse, a work of magnificent art. Some storm wax while others wane. Far from this image diminishing her in my eyes, I was drawn to her like anyone is drawn to beauty and power, the kind of energy few humans possess. I waited in silence as we, 
as we were heading through the forest on an old state road, probably carved out in the 1930s, by unmarried men at the Civilian Conservation Corps. We wound through a cool shaded canopy of evergreens, which looked deep and foreboding, even from the safety and comfort of the back seat of our supercar. We arrived at the lake, and still Max hadn't returned to the th thread she left when she started crying. I told myself she had been through a lot and I needed to be patient, but I didn't really believe it. Still, if her mother had died, then Maxine deserved every ounce of patience and respect I had. Surely that was a Spartan compassionate tack to take, so I tried to put it out of my mind, but left a kind of running clock going, which I had set to the time she left the question unanswered. Finn was the first at the door, tearing through the lake shore like his life depended on it. I got out and stood tall, stretching my arms overhead as I watched Finn stop bring his head down toward the water, splitting his legs out the way giraffes do it at a watering hole on the Serengeti. He lacked up water thirstily for a full minute before turning around to look at me. I got the feeling he wanted to check I was coming to him before he continued to slack his thirst. His head went down again, and he must have drank for another full minute, noisily lapping up the water. When I finally made it down to the water, I stood by him. Finn picked up his head so fast it startled me. Then he leapt up, his paws on my chest, his wet muzzle on my face and neck. Ah, I yelled. That only made him come at me more, starting in with his tongue, which I dodged except for a few licks he got on, on my ears and cheeks. Licking my hand was one thing, but having a dog look in my face wasn't exactly my thing. I mean, he did it once in a while. I could live with it, but not the way some people do it, like a puppy getting up by a mama dog. I'll pass. But I couldn't resist Finn's playfulness. He already protected me, and I'd known him for under a week. Not in a million years could I have asked for a better dog. My mind traveled back to him trapped in the cab of that hot pickup truck, and it made me sick. Come on, boy. Let's get you something to eat. I headed back up toward the car for his bowl, the bag of dog food. He seemed to understand me, and wasted no time wolfing it down once I poured it into the bowl. What I loved about him now, how he looked at me before eating, as if to thank me for preparing his food. Do I have an awesome dog or what? While he ate, I looked around the area scanning over the lake and through the pine groves, watching for some kind of movement. I saw nothing moving except for a few ducks on the other sides of the lake. Just because nothing was moving didn't mean nothing was there. One of the first rules of observation is not to move around or draw attention to yourself. But as I heard Finn happily crunching his food, I figured if he was content, he couldn't be too close to harm's way. Saber came around the side of the building, which was located on downward slope, about halfway between the parking lot and the water's edge. He strode up the slope toward me, his footsteps silent on the pine needles. There's a bathroom down there with running water and a shower, he told me. I'm going back right after I get my pack. Wait, it, it all works? Yeah, he laughed. It's a state park. could be hooked up to its own power supply. It even runs on, on a solar power. The water was warm when I checked it. Get out, he, I said, thinking about a warm shower and some new clothes. Give me 20 minutes and it's all yours, Xavier said. Save some water for us, I said to his back as, as he headed back to the car. Hey, is Maxie in there? Yeah, he said, nodding toward the sandstone building. Xavier shrugged into his pack and stood there as if pondering what to say. I waited for a few seconds until I couldn't wait. Funny how she never answered my question. His eyebrows went up and he nodded, a smile slowly forming on his face. She's good, he said. She's playing you, man. No, she's not, I said. Okay, he laughed, but I'm not blaming you. You don't stand a chance against a girl like that. I don't either. Beautiful, intelligent, with acute powers of manipulation. I think of her and all I can think about is Eve. Who's Eve? Adam and Eve, Zara said. I turned that around in my mind a bit, picturing the forbidden fruit and Eve's fall from grace. 
It was she who brought the fruit to Adam after the serpent deceived her. He took it willingly, then blamed God for Eve and Eve for giving him the fruit. The rest is history. When I think of her, I think of an incredible storm. Has you ever considered that for a moment before laughing aloud? I think you're right, Odysseus. She's a storm that'll blow you off course if you're not careful. He shifted his backpack and turned away toward the bathrooms. I waited there, hoping to see Max, but she didn't come out. So I started shifting our supplies in the car to see what we could eat. By then, Finn had looked his, his bowl clean and was washing it down with a drink from the lake. With a look back at me over his shoulder, he disappeared into the pine forest. In the trunk, I found a cooler full of hot dogs and hamburger patties. Grills had been, se had been seen up through out this, the picking area, so I started looking for charcoal. Sure enough, I found a bag in the bottom of the trunk. No lighter fluid required. In a couple minutes, I had the charcoal laid and lighted. Some 20 minutes or so, I'd be ready to put the meat on the grill. Things were looking up. You've been busy, Maxine said, appearing out of nowhere from behind me. I was deep in my thoughts and never noticed her approaching. Sometimes I get like that. Mom calls it daydreaming. Where have you been, I asked happily. Truth was, I was beginning to worry about her, but didn't think it was my place to start checking on her in the women's bathroom. Oh, I went for a little walk around the lake. Not far from here, I found something I think we all like, she said rightly, eager for me to ask her about it. A time machine? Now that would be quite a find, Max said. We could go back before all this happened and stop it. You'd have your mom and I'd have my dad. Silence. I poked at the coals for something to do. Eventually, Max broke the silence. I found a cabin. Actually, it's an old stone house. It's nice. Bunks, windows with screens, a fireplace. Only thing is the electricity doesn't seem to be working. As long as there's a good lock on the door, we can get by, I said. There's a solid-looking lock on the on a bit, big old door that looks like it was cut from the main gate of a castle, Max said, holding her hands out wide. I mean, real big. Cool, I said. I'll get the cooler and the meat. I packed it this morning, Max said. Let's both go. It'll be easier if we carry it together, I said. We walked side by side back up the, to the parking lot while I wondered if I was dreaming. Even in my dreams, I couldn't imagine talking to someone like Max. She was totally out of my league, and I usually didn't talk to girls a whole lot. I mean, I liked them all, but it, it's never been easy for me to talk to them. I figured she was lonely, so she'd take whatever she could get for company. I wasn't complaining. At the car, I'd grab one side of the cooler and, and she the other. Where's Xavier anyway, she said. Said something about a long, hot shower. I don't blame him, Max said. Me neither. You can go next. I told him to save us some hot water. Where's Finn McCool, Maxine said. He then took off into the woods. He likes to disappear on his own. I think he's scouting. He is a pretty amazing dog, Max said. As we laid hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill, I told her how I found him in the truck and how he led me away from the change and to Xavier all in the same night. I saved his life and he saved mine. It's an amazing story, Max said. I nodded and smiled, but the sizzling and popping of the hamburgers and hot dogs had begun to overwhelm me as the smell of grilled food drove me to distraction. Must have had the same effect on Finn, because he came racing out of the woods, tongue hanging out to the side. Standing just outside the smoke, he stared at the meat and whimpered. He had followed his nose. Didn't seem to make any difference that he had eaten less than an hour ago already. I didn't say anything to Max, but I wondered if anyone or anything else was going to pay us a visit. I might have rung the dinner bell for, for a mile around when I started the fire, and the aroma of cooking meat was a telltale sign for miles around. You guys sure know how to announce our presence here in the park, Xavier called out to us as he walked the, up the path from the restrooms. Noted. You're not interested in grilled hamburgers and hot dogs, I said, unable to hide a smile. Oh, I'm interested, Xavier said, rubbing his belly. That shower felt so good, I never wanted to leave. Now I'm hungry. 
I found us a place to crash tonight, Max said. Let me guess. An old stone house, dear said. How did you know, Max asked. Turns out I've been I've been here a few years ago on a school trip. It'll be perfect for us tonight. It sleeps eight with no trouble. Great, Xavier said enthusiastically. I started forking hot dogs onto a paper plate, then carefully speared the hamburgers and laid them on the plate. Let's eat.